The SPF trials continued into its second week, and we were not going to talk about it much here, but figured we'd bring on an actual lawyer to tell you what's going on as opposed to my own horrid bad takes or bringing on a YouTuber or influencer to tell you about their feelings on the trial. We do try very hard here, guys, to actually bring on experts and for me to just get out of the way and allow them to give their informed opinions on topics. Of course, we also have a major bank predicting $8,000 Ethereum. Of course, this is Standard Charter, who is prone to hyperbolic predictions about price of our beloved crypto assets. So no huge surprises there, but worth talking about. Also, we had CPI coming in relatively hot today and Bitcoin seemingly on the dip. We're going to talk about everything with James Murphy, our favorite seemingly banned lawyer from X. We'll probably talk about that too. And of course, I've got Dan the Chart Guys at the end to give us his endless alpha and analysis on the markets. You guys don't want to miss this one. Let us go. Let's go. What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. I have the most dangerous man in social media joining today because for some reason, his ex account has just been uh, permanently suspended. He's not really dangerous. He's wonderful. I'm going to bring on James Murphy. We're going to talk about a few things here. James, uh, when are we getting you back, man? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got to persuade the algorithm, which is is not as easy as it sounds. So uh, it's been a while. Uh, they haven't told me what rule I violated or if I had a, a tweet or post that violated something. It's a big mystery right now. But uh, appreciate everybody reaching out and uh, and uh, supporting supporting me at this point. And and you having me on the show, man. What a great time for us law nerds you know it's so rare you get a really juicy trial like this this yeah this is like this is reminiscent of the obsession with the oj trial from from my <laughs> childhood which is the last time i can remember like being riveted although to be quite honest i've been sort of opting out of this one because there's just so many bad takes as i mentioned and <laughs> You know, maybe it's time for us to unpack it. I'll talk about more of, the, I think, the market stuff on, on the back end, obviously, since since we got chart guys that got you here. I'd just love to dive in. So obviously, we have SBF starting his trial. We have endless news and incredible revelations that are even shocking to me reading it now, right? I mean, this, some of these things are, are absurd. You know, she, they, obviously, Carolyn knew everything. Everybody knew everything. This was coordinated fraud. Alameda Research lost $190 million to avoidable scams and simple mistakes. If you read into this story, they literally had their private keys on plain text files that anybody who had access to any computer at FTX could access their private keys and lost $100 million on a simple phishing scan from a Google search. The most basic things that we tell people not to do here. We've got FTX co-founder Gary Wang says he took out $200 million to $300 million in loans from Alameda Research for investments. Couldn't recall. Ah. Well, it's a 200, 300 here. Not a big deal, right? Alameda had a $65 billion line of credit and unlimited withdrawals. I mean, the revelations here to me are just, I mean, it's absolutely astounding. The bribing of officials, 
him trying to go to Saudi Arabia to get funding from MBS. I mean, it just doesn't end. But what I want to talk to you more about is the endless seemingly bad takes that people believe that SBF's fine. He's not going to get in trouble because he's connected in high places. I have a lot more faith in the uh, judicial system than that, but uh, let me hear your thoughts. Well, I have a theory on that. Um, first of all, just the, the table setting, Scott, um, the jury is nine women and uh, three men. Uh, what was reported early on is they're getting bored very quickly and that uh, at least one juror is spending some time sleeping and that somehow the jurors are signaling that they are bored and confused most of the time. And this is our jury system when you're dealing with a pretty sophisticated uh, case. Now, for those of us who live in this world and understand crypto, it's not complicated at all. Uh, but for people who come to this cold, it is uh, an intimidating uh, subject. Um, but I would say that, that this case is really moving quickly. Um, and this judge, I think it's fair to say, is, is somewhat of a pro-government judge. And by the way, uh, I don't claim to be objective here. Uh, Sam stole some of my money. Uh, I was a limited partner in a partnership that had some of its money. Uh, on that FTX platform, and I'm uh, not, not uh, expecting to get that back anytime soon. But in any event, um, they have the goods uh, on, on Sam. Interestingly, there's not as many smoking guns out of email and, and text as, as you might expect, but they do have the smoking guns on sending false um, balance sheets to investors and lenders, which are, which are two or three of the, of the counts in the, in the indictment. And so I think they've got him dead to rights because it lines up with the testimony of Wang and Caroline Ellison. Um, so I, I would say the judge is a little bit pro prosecution and he's signaling, um, you know, when you're in a jury trial and the judge sustains the objections of one side and overrules uh, the objections of the other side, it starts to send a signal to the jury of what the judge is thinking about what he's hearing. And then when the judge launches in with his own questions, that can really put a thumb on the scales. And, you know, because there's understandable confusion uh, among some of the jurors, they do look to the judge for a signal of like, hey, who's winning here? What, what's yeah. going on? We believe. Uh, and I, I've had trials where, where the judge has, has been kind of determinative, I think, uh, on some of the is, these issues. I think this judge is tough. He didn't want to give bail in the first place. Uh, and I was strongly opposed to, to bail uh, in the first Sam place. Sam would have been out of here, man. Yeah, <laughs> he, did not, he did not want to do that. Um, and then, you know, he, he barred. Sam's lawyers from saying in opening statement, hey, Sam relied on some advice of the lawyers. Um, and so that's a little weird because the judge said the reason that he didn't want Sam's lawyers to say, well, Sam has relied on lawyers is that might be confusing to the jurors. Well, the jurors are confused, period. You know, everything is a little bit confusing to them. And so adding, hey, this is part of my defense that I got some advice that it's okay for, you know, Alameda to, you know, have a huge margin debt and deficit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so in any event, the only reason I bring that up is, um, you know, you, you think down the road, are there grounds for appeal? 
that's how his lawyers are thinking now. I don't think they're thinking, hey, our guy's going to get off uh, here. I think they are thinking he's going to be convicted and then what their strategy is uh, going from there. Yeah, you mentioned the balance sheets. I, I don't have the exact number. I was looking for it, but I, I believe I read that he directly asked Caroline to create like six false balance sheets to send to different lenders to show them different things. I mean, we know that this guy was doing the accounting in QuickBooks if they were doing accounting at all, right? There was no firm doing this. But I mean, that's as outright of fraud as you can possibly get when you're lying to people about a massive hole and asking for more money, right? I mean, that that's that that right there is uh, the rest of your life in prison alone. That's right. And and ironically, the last jury trial I had in my career turned on a false balance sheet. And I cross-examined like crazy the guy who had uh, submitted this false balance sheet. But the coup de grace was when the judge said, hey, Mr. Murphy, mind if I ask a couple questions? And he just roasted the guy. And the jury's like, oh, okay, we get it. This guy's there, there's the ju- there, There's the judge signaling like you talked right. about before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we get like too carried away, and I want to see him convicted. What he did was wrong, clearly wrong and illegal. Remember, the government has to get 12, has to go 12 for 12 to get a conviction. They got to get unanimous. Sam's just got to get one willing to hold out to get a hung jury. It's not a not guilty. It's a hung jury. Now, what are the odds of getting the one? Well, think about it. Would Michael Lewis be a one? Michael yeah, Lewis may have no, been. I, may I have, won't read the book. I can't. I, I've I've considered it. I picked it up. I thought about it. But now that I've heard so much about it, I just can't do it. I read the whole thing. Uh, Kevin Great. Kevin O'Leary might be a one. You know. And remember, you remember this, uh, Scott, when um, when Sam uh, was interviewed by Andrew Ross Sorkin in that Deal Book um, conference. Andrew thanked him for him coming in in such a truthful, honest way to talk about what had happened. You know, so so then what does that lead to? That, in my mind, leads to the Hail Mary here is Sam must testify. If he does not testify, he's going to be convicted. Um, If he does testify, he'll get roasted on cross-examination. But the this is a tough, tough question. Think about it, Scott. If he does not testify and give his quote unquote side of the story, then he sits in a cell for decades going, you know what? In retrospect, I wish I, should I had have testi- said something. Yeah. I mean, exactly. but the, it sounds like what he should have done is get really like jacked in prison, you know, all this time, <laughs> uh, get a really cool haircut and just stare deeply into the eyes of one of those female juries for the entire time, which right. ironically, as much as that's a joke, we had Martin Shkreli on Crypto Town Hall on Twitter Spaces, who has been down this road a bit. And right. he actually, on the bulk of his counts, had one female juror that truly believed in him and believed his testimony and hung the jury on, I think, five of the six counts or something like that. So he did his six or seven years, whatever it was. But it could have been his whole life if not for this one single female juror that he basically convinced, he said, you know, by uh, just like giving her puppy dog eyes and, and sympathy the entire time to find him not guilty on those counts. Yeah, you never know. I mean, there's a woman on on the jury who's um, does special education. And so all of the witnesses and Sam 
uh, are kind of on the spectrum, I guess is, is how you describe it. And so yeah. who knows what her, what her take uh, might be. It, it, it is possible. I can't rule out uh, that if Sam testifies and says, look, I screwed up, you know, you know what he's going to say. He's, you know, we saw that testimony that he was going to give in Congress, all of those interviews on Twitter spaces and the deal book we know. And some people bought that act. Um, and so, uh, it is possible that he could get one and, and get a hung jury on, on some of the counts. But, uh, you know, if I were a betting man, I would say he'll be convicted on all, all counts. My producer just sent me this amazing story. SBF tried Thai sex worker wallets to unlock frozen funds before bribing Chinese official witness claims. It's just a really good headline. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but the, the, the thing is that the testimony is so damning because it seems he went to just outrageous lengths to try to cover up what he was doing and continue to fill the hole. And listen, maybe at the beginning, maybe at the beginning, he did not intend to be a fraudster. It is possible that there was a mistake and you go down the road and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you go further. I mean, we saw that with Celsius and Voyager. I'm not saying the same kind of fraud, but you know, I, Steve Ehrlich from Voyager, for example, we know that at the beginning they were giving what would have been considered very safe loans. And then all of a sudden got millions of new customers who expected that 9% every month. And it's either lose those customers or go further down the risk curve to keep delivering it. And so that was done, though, probably without fraud, maybe uh, negligence. But this time it's like, I mean, this guy was doing everything in his power to lie to anyone who could possibly give him money, including foreign governments and foreign government officials who he literally bribed. Yeah. Speaking of government officials, uh, the prosecution has tied these campaign uh, finance contributions to the objective or one of the objectives, which Caroline testified about. And one of the objectives was to do in Binance. You know, his primary uh, competitor is, she said, that's why he was buying influence or one of the reasons. Um, and to be president. To he said he had a 5% chance of being president right. of the United States, which was his ultimate goal. Right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a good one. Um, and, and the other thing on Binance, really fascinating, Scott, is uh, Caroline confirmed what, what we all knew or suspected, and that is that FTX customer funds were used for the buyout of CZ in 2021 to buy out his ownership in FTX, which is really, really interesting, Scott, because now it paints into a corner the FTX forces in the bankruptcy. I may be wrong. I watched that. I've gotten so disillusioned watching that FTX bankruptcy and the bleeding of of all the creditors like me, I can't stand to watch it. But you guys, as far might as get I know, lucky though, man, amorphic or whatever it's called, that you guys might get lucky. Yeah, would, exactly. I'd rather be an FTX um, creditor right now than a Voyager creditor. Which is yeah, but I, I would say now you've got under oath a statement that the payoff to CZ is traceable to FTX customer funds. I don't know how John Ray and Sullivan and Cromwell don't, don't sue CZ at this point. Um, because I think it would be uh, a really uh, risky on their part uh, to not pursue a claim of that magnitude where you've got testimony under oath, there went customer funds. Well, your job is to claw back those customer funds. 
So I don't know what's happening. There could be a negotiation to give them the benefit of the doubt. Could be a negotiation going on, but now right. they're painted into a corner. They have got to pursue that. Yeah, but let me ask you this. We, we also know that customer funds were used for hundreds of millions of dollars in political donations. Haven't heard anyone talking about clawing those back yet. Isn't that equally as ripe fruit for John Ray as this Binance payment? 100%. I, I believe letters have been sent to some or all of the recipients. I haven't seen lawsuits filed, but letters were sent by the, the you know, the John Ray Sullivan and Cromwell forces to people who received those uh, campaign contributions. So uh, I would expect that that money's got to come back in or, or people will get hammered for that, hopefully, at, in, elect at, in the next election. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's just uh, so crazy how many people were bribed or paid or donated to effective altruism, right? I mean, which I'm not, it's unfortunate for legitimate effective altruists that uh, he gave them such a bad name. But anyone who knows about effective altruism, you earn as much money as you possibly can so that you can give back as much as you possibly can. But everybody who's talked about his effect, effective altruism now has basically said that it was just part of the fraud. I mean, Ellison, she she said that uh, he originally was buying fancy sport cars and then returned them all and got a Toyota Corolla because she thought it fit the image better, right? So like this was all a contrived, look like the good guy situation and it was all bullshit. He wasn't trying to help anyone but himself. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's been some insight into the psyche uh, of Sam when uh, Caroline talked about expected value uh, in making decisions, like what decision uh, leads to the greatest return for me that I can then theoretically contribute to the world, people who need it, expected value. And Sam said, you know, when making that analysis, Things like morality and legality and right and wrong don't figure in um, into how do you maximize your expected value of your life and your efforts so that you can be an altruist and contribute it uh, to uh, the universe. Now, on this um, altruist thing, uh, what is the what is the end game here? That's what I think about. Okay, so he's he's very likely to be convicted. I think he under his lawyers understand that and have tried to explain that to him. Going to trial against the government in a case like this is very very rare. DOJ the, does not lose these cases. And by the way, Period. people don't people don't realize why the Southern District of New York is such a great place to go to be a prosecutor for whatever it's reason. Always win. And there's many theories. But this place that is known for progressive liberalism convicts like crazy in these cases. They are convict a conviction-prone jurisdiction, and everybody knows it. So it's a great place to be a prosecutor. So you got to ask yourself, what is what is the end game? And you know, the, the hail mary is maybe Sam can can swing one or two of these jurors. But once he's convicted, um, I believe that there are still effective altruists out there who believe in Sam I'm and sure. will come up with some money. And I think the final play on the chessboard, it will be to go for some kind of 
pardon or commutation of sentence from the president. This is a prosecution in federal court. The president can pardon anybody convicted or charged in the federal system, not in the state system. Uh, and so I believe that's what he's going for. And if, if you play this out, this theory out a little bit, if um, Joe Biden does not run ultimately for reelection, or if he loses, he then between no, November of 2024 and January when he when he's out the next year, you know, it, we could have a Bill Clinton scenario where a number of pardons are given and it tarnishes the legacy. But very briefly, I mean, who talks about the pardons that, that uh, Bill Clinton handed out that were uh, kind yeah. of puzzling? So I think that that's probably the last play on, on the chessboard, and, and they'll hold out hope for that. And, and why I mentioned the effective altruists and all the money is, you know, Joe Biden, they want to have a Joe Biden family foundation that is oh, well-funded, et cetera. Hey, so. The thing is, I, I don't disagree. That, like, that is definitely a like left-field possibility, which I think he could definitely be counting on. The pardon is, you know, it's the big kicker in any of these trials. You always see it. But I would think that with all the donations he did, all the egg he put on people's face, we have all these endless takes that like these politicians are going to protect him. My, my gut says they want him buried as far under the jail and gone as fast as possible so they never have to hear about it again. Like I, I think the political connections and all of that logically plays against him, not for him, because the last thing they want is him running around, running his mouth, bringing in more attention to what happened. You can tell they've tried to bury the entire industry just to cover up every the connections with SBF. I don't think that, that he's getting, I, I think he's going to jail long time, 20, 30 years minimum, and I think he's gonna stay there and we're not gonna hear very much about him. Unless we uh, see an Epstein, but I don't really go down that uh, that that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, look, totally agree with you. I mean, the optics of having received contributions from Sam, which Joe Biden, I think he Sam was his second largest yeah. campaign contributor for the last election. The optics are horrible, uh, but you just never know. I mean, in my career, I've seen a lot of things solved, and the way we describe it is this can be solved with a bag of money or a big bag of money. And so- Hidden uh, customer fund, customer funds that he still has in a foreign <laughs> bank account. Yes, yes. Well, Congrats. Scott, that's a really important point you just yeah. made. Money that he, that he has squirreled away himself, forget about- How do you allies. think he's defending himself? Well, with customer well, money. Here's the tell, here's the tell, Scott. He hasn't declared bankruptcy. Why? Because if you declare bankruptcy, you have to disclose where all of your assets are. And if you don't, you'll be prosecuted criminally. And that's one of the easier cases for prosecutors to bring. And they love bringing those cases. Uh, Boris Becker, the tennis player, did time for that. Uh, Lenny Dykstra, the baseball player, did time for hiding assets in his, in his bankruptcy case. So the fact that the guy has not declared bankruptcy is a real tell that it is likely that he has secreted away a, a significant amount of money. I'm not sure if you saw this. We were talking about clawbacks and the bankruptcy. This just dropped an hour ago. Court approves Genesis settlement of $175 million to FTX, expunges billions in claims. So as much as this seems like a crazy headline, how the hell did Genesis have to pay FTX money? It could have been billions, right? And this was basically like a very small settlement against what could have been 
multiple billions in claims. And I think it says they dropped three claims by FTX Trading, six claims by Alameda Research, and six claims by West Realm Shires Services, which represents FTX US. So this is, some would say good news for creditors of FTX, but I think most creditors are pissed off actually, because they think this uh, should have been a much bigger clawback or settlement. Right, a absolutely. And, uh, you know, that anthropic thing that you brought up is a, is a big deal. I mean, that's a big number. Uh, like 4.5 or 5 billion if they get that $4 billion uh, investment from Amazon and get that round at that valuation. It's crazy. You get that, and then you get the clawback from CZ. You know, then Sam's petition for pardon is going to say, hey, looky here. Uh, Nobody <laughs> lost money, man. No, yeah. no losses. What yeah, do you know? Uh, no losses plus I a billion. I asked, yeah, I asked Screlly about that, by the way, because uh, he and he absolutely pointed out that he returned his customers a profit. It has nothing to do with whether people lose or don't lose money if you've committed fraud. That's At least right. that's what he said. He said, listen, everybody made money. Didn't stop me from going to jail. Had nothing right. to do with my conviction. Nobody cared. Right. He's like, but right. I didn't lose anyone's money. I got him, made him money. Right. Yeah. It's what you call an equitable argument. You know, I, you know, hey, Joe Biden, I, I should spend 50 years in jail. I mean, nobody was harmed. Look, you know, uh, and I helped, you know, <laughs> recover the money or whatever. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen. I, I think he needs to, to spend a lot of time in jail. So others will see, you know, and, and in the big, big picture, I think this is a classic case of what, uh, what uh, Warren Buffett talks about. You know, it's not until the tide goes out that you see who's been swimming without a bathing suit. And when the crypto winter hit, Sam could no longer maintain being the heroic figure, you know, buying all sorts of stuff, including celebrities. Uh, and they scrambled and then they started breaking the law. It looks like that's to me how it how it played out. Well, we all know that Sam was the one swimming naked and unfortunately probably doing right. it on a beautiful Bahamas beach with Carolyn Ellison <laughs> and 17 tie hookers wallets or whatever this, this story is. It's just the deeper you go into this, it really is. It really is insane. So what, what's your final take before I let you go? How long do you think this trial will go? And, you know, do you think that we will see more, I guess, the clawbacks to me in the bankruptcy are the real story here. Like, do you think we'll see more of these small Genesis type settlements and, and start to see some of this money coming back? I mean, Voyager, actually, they have like a four or five hundred million dollar uh, claim between Alameda and Voyager as well. Yeah, I do think you're going to see more uh, settlements in the FTX uh, bankruptcy. Uh, typically, if you get sued in the bankruptcy court, with the bankruptcy judge presiding, you know you're going to lose. I, I handled many, many cases in the Lehman bankruptcy. And I remember going in that court in lower Manhattan and the judge, you know, she she felt like it's her duty to get money into this bankruptcy estate to pay creditors. And so any close call in a trial, you know, tie goes to the, to the uh, debtors council. And so you will see uh, more money, more settlements, I'm hopeful. You know that people do recover in time. You know a lot uh, on the dollar. Uh, as far as the trial is going is concerned, it's going very fast. I mean, opening statements of just shocking. 30, people thought 30 this was going to be weeks, and it was like, yeah, they were they were four days in and four hours, right? So yeah, well, one of the odd things, Scott, is that the these witnesses are being permitted to testify to the ultimate issue for the jury to decide. This is not 
typically appropriate. Uh, witnesses are supposed to testify about facts. Hey, I had this meeting with Sam. He said this. I said this. Here's a document. Yes, I recognize that document. I that did this a as a consequence time. of this instruction. But what they're saying is, Wang said, Sam and I committed wire fraud and mail fraud. This is They did a lot of crimes together. Caroline's this first is, statements were, Sam instructed me to, to commit a lot of crimes. Right. right. I mean, this, this is not actually permissible. It, this invades the province of the jury and is, and is objectionable. So what you're going to see, I believe, is a conviction on most or all counts. Um, and then you're going to see an appeal. And the real battle is going to be, does Sam get to go out on bail during the appeal? Um, and I think the answer will be no. He's going to have to stay in jail. Uh, during appeal. And, you know, I do believe that the last Hail Mary attempt will be a pardon from Joe Biden. All right. Well, dude, it's great to have you back. I, since we can't get you on Twitter, we got to have you here more. But I do hope that they I'm going to I'm going to start seeing if we can dig up a contact there. It's crazy. Uh, you you didn't mention the part where somebody had taken over your account like they did all these other people, John Deaton and Peter Brandt, and was trying to tweet scams. So I remember trying to tell people not to fall for the scam. I was assuming that's why they banned your account and you were just never able to get it back. But to your point, every fake meta lawman in the world is still there. Yeah. You're gone. Everyone's still there, which is what happened to me on Instagram. Every scammer is still there, but I got kicked off by a scammer. It's really great. Yeah. Well, we yeah. Get you just, back, man. We got to get you. Yeah. For, for whoever's watching. Yeah. There's dozens of scam meta lawmen. Not me. I'm the guy with the blue check who is banned from X. Uh, but uh, I remember when a blue check actually meant you were you. And not just that you had $8. Right. But hey, right. we won't get into the nuance of uh, Twitter X. Thank you so much, James, man. Always a pleasure. Awesome being on with you, Scott. All right. We'll do it, do it again soon. Later. All right, guys. Before I bring on Dan, I just want to mention uh, one or two stories that we had here. It'll be really quick. And then uh, we'll talk about markets with him and the, these predictions about Bitcoin and Ethereum. And of course, the fact that CPI just came in kind of hot. There's one story I want to talk about that's just blowing my mind. First, this is the uh, this isn't the actual story. This is just the uh, what we'll call it the appetizer, the amuse bouche, if you will. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and five other senators want the IRS to expedite crypto reporting requirements currently slated for 2026. We've reported widely on the fact that there will be new IRS rules in 2026 for crypto reporting. Okay, great, fine. It's going to get bad in three years, but they want to speed this up because they believe that by not speeding it up, they could lose 50 billion in annual tax revenue, which last I checked is like uh, the increase in our debt in three days. I mean, we're literally increasing our debt by tens of billions of dollars a day, if you look at it. So it seems like a drop in the bucket. But we know that Elizabeth Warren has the anti-crypto army. We know that all these people want to close tax loopholes that don't exist on crypto investors. But the kicker right now, that is the story that I, that I want to go, she said it's time to act now. And then Elizabeth Warren further elaborated on her stance on social media, referring to cryptocurrency as, quote, the not-so-secret financial weapon funding groups like Hamas. Because, of course, you can't, can't let a good conflict go by without taking advantage of it as a politician and to, to make your false claims. But yes, Hamas has raised millions in crypto donations. This is the Wall Street Journal report. You guys may have read and seen it which everybody knew, 93 million to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Hamas received about 41 million in the, in the same time frame. 
What you might not read about in this story that was widely reported in April, but seemingly forgotten because people have the memory of goldfish, is that Hamas armed wing announces suspension of Bitcoin fundraising. Why? Hamas literally stopped taking Bitcoin donations because it was too transparent and the people sending the donations were being easily tracked down by governments. They do not take crypto for financing since April and will never do it again moving forward. Did you guys see that part of the story in the Elizabeth Warren comment? Did you see that part of the story in the Wall Street Journal article? They mentioned it briefly. Yeah. So just so you know, crypto is not so tra- is not so anonymous. It's very transparent. And even Hamas won't take the millions of dollars that they couldn't have gotten in Bitcoin. Huge nothing burger. Big surprise. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Dan now so we can talk about what's happening in markets. What is up, Dan? How are you doing today? Good, Scott. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about CPI. Obviously, just came in. Uh, here's the numbers. Core uh, was 0.3, expected 0.3, previous 0.3. So no movement in core at all. CPI month over month was at 0.4%, which was expected at 0.3, but still down from 0.6. Seems like we've got kind of a mixed uh, mixed bag here. And year over year, 3.7, expected 3.6, previous 3.7. We also saw PPI coming in kind of hot, right? So there is a narrative now that maybe this dip in inflation, the drop is getting sticky and a little more stubborn, right? Have you taken a look at these numbers? I know you're primarily a technical analyst, but still, this is clearly going to impact markets. Yeah, definitely keeping an eye on them. And again, you know, right now, bears are fundamental, bears are frustrated just in the short term because, you know, the market has bounced a good bit the past few days. And this is the spot where technically speaking, I'm keeping an eye out for, you know, some daily consolidation. We're coming straight off the low in some of these names and we need daily uptrends to confirm still. And so you have this hot PPI yesterday and now a hot CPI and we're still right at the top of this bounce. And it's almost like, all right, you know, why aren't, why aren't we dropping when, when these numbers are supposed to be uh, or are coming in higher than, than ideal. And so, you know, it's just a reminder for me, like, okay, be aware of this stuff, but the, the, the truth is in the prices. And so keep an eye on those trends because right now, you know, the, the NASDAQ is trying to keep this longer term consolidation healthy, which in this moment it still is. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a waiting game for the bears. Like when is this stuff going to matter again? Yeah, I just opened the QQQ chart because obviously I was interviewing him as the market opened. I mean, still just pumping. And then NASDAQ yeah. is way up today again. We broke through the 50-day on a five-day rager here. Yeah, this is in the midst of a war. What you could argue are poor, repeatedly poor inflation numbers, some mildly negative comments from Fed governors. I mean, we seem to be in that time in markets right now where good news doesn't matter, bad news doesn't matter, news just doesn't matter. Like markets are just on their way. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have a recent history lesson with Ukraine seeing like, okay, the market cared about it initially. And then we kept getting the headlines and less and less, it just cares less and less. And so I think we're going to see the same thing in the current situation, as far as the market is concerned. Uh, And yeah, right now the NASDAQ is, you know, four and a half percent from 22 month highs. And it's, it's, you know, 5% plus from where we were a week ago. So we're closer to 22 month highs than we are to the lows of two weeks ago in the NASDAQ. So yeah, much less again, the real lows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying open-minded where these are bull flags until, you know, these are monthly bull flags until the bears tell me, no, they're not monthly bull flags. And right now the bears are not doing that. Google and Meta just hit 52 week highs. And so 
Uh, again, it's met at 314 and I was feeling pretty good. Now it's uh, it's above that. I still think it's going down, but Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where again, it's, it's just frustrated bear, frustrated fundamental bears. And you just got to stick with the price action. It's just, there's so many times in my career that affirmed to me, yes, be aware of the fundamentals. Don't be oblivious to them. But, uh, it, there's so many times that, you know, the day-to-day movement of these numbers are, are not dependent on the fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, that's meta. There you go. I mean, breaking the, I mean, it's been multi-year highs, right? Uh, I guess it was back in early 2022, we were at this price, but here you go. I mean, making a new yearly high and retracing all of that. I'm still holding half the position, luckily, but pretty crazy to see that in the face of all these things that's happening. But meanwhile, our favorite clearly uncorrelated for now asset, Bitcoin, trading sideways and slightly down, right? Uh and it's, I, I still call it sideways, to be quite honest. But I, I do have to be cognizant of like this. When we kind of have a weekly evening star here. Technically, evening stars generally need a gap, guys. They, you consider a candle here, then you usually have a gap up to some sort of doji or you know gravestone or something gapped up. But you don't get that on Bitcoin because 24-7 trading. <laughs> the next candle always opens right at the end of the other candle. So you don't get those weekend gaps and things that you see. But I mean... You can argue we're not in an uptrend, so maybe it's not that impactful. But I mean, a big green candle followed by a candle like this and then a down candle that goes about halfway if it closed here. I mean, this is one of the most classical bearish topping patterns, and it's right at the 200 MA. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a longer term head and shoulders. And so for me, it's, it's you know, just like the NASDAQ, it's, okay, bears, prove to me this is not a bull flag. For Bitcoin right now, it's like, okay, bulls, you got some work to do. Prove to me that this is not a long term uh, head and shoulders pattern forming the right shoulder right now. And right. as you mentioned, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the correlation aspect out the window. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're not correlated to much right now. And so then I shifted to sentiment, like, okay, we're not correlated, but there's sentiment for the broader market that matters. And now the last week it's like, okay, we finally got the dollar pulling back for four days. We got the broader market bouncing for four days. And during those four days, Bitcoin has been doing nothing but dropping. And so it's like, all right, sentiment out the window now too. So it's definitely just doing its own thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. Of course, we have the story then. And I'm going to ask you to bring your charts up too, because I would love to see your takes. But I just love these. Ether could hit 8K by end of 2026. Let's throw out big ar- arbitrary number to get the press by standard charter. These are the same guys, I think, who said that, uh, well, it's at 1,600 now. I think I said 4,000 by the end of next year. And they're the same ones who made the like $160,000 prediction for Bitcoin. But I mean, their, their, their premise, I think, is pretty good. Uh, you know, proliferation of NFTs, decentralized finance, significant demand, improvements in the network, all the things. But I look at the Ethereum chart and right now, I, I don't know if this Ether USD, I see it breaking down, not uh, heading towards 8,000 at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's always a click game. You know, you put the big number up, you'll get the click because the people that aren't, you know, all into technical analysis or, or following on a daily basis, it's it's hopium. It's just, oh, if I click this and read this, it'll make me feel good. And I'll imagine the future and I'll think about how much money I'll have. And it's just, you know, the, the media cycle. Uh, but, you know, it's it's important to always take those things with a grain of salt, as we know. Yeah. So let's see. You got any charts to share? I would love to see uh, what you're thinking, because I, I did a whole thing actually the other day, kind of thinking that TLT looked bottomy, yields looked toppy, dollar kind of looked toppy that uh, we could finally be seeing a little relief for for bonds, which obviously aligns with uh, seeing what's happening in other markets. But uh, you got Bitcoin here. So this is what the, is this the monthly? 
Yeah. This is the two week, just condensing two-week, it a, lit and a, a little. And again, just, just highlighting that's the the potential head and shoulders that I'm looking at. We know 25,000 or just under 25,000 yeah. is the wall in the sand that every, the line in the sand that everybody's looking at. Uh, and so that is the must hold level. And that's incredible to me, by the way, because that was also the level that made the higher high for the first time in the entire bearish market structure. So there's so, not just as head and shoulders, but there's so many reasons that 25K is the support. Yeah. And, and from a technical perspective, you know, there's so many times where you'll be on the verge of a breakdown and the bulls will play defense and that launches confidence. And just a quick example, you know, PLTR on the, the weekly time frame here was the same thing where we had, you know, our left shoulder, our head, our right shoulder. And this was a double bottom to the penny. And it was, you know, this chart looked, looked like we're about to roll over into longer term downtrends. And the bulls just said, no, we're we're holding this line in the sand. It's just like a trench that, you know, we're fighting over. And as soon as we hold it, it's a big turnaround. And so, you know, Bitcoin had that hold and shift. And so, okay, now the question is, what can you do with that bulls? Can you follow through? Can we confirm a weekly uptrend and and hold that level? Because again, if you, if you break this support from here, uh, you're going to see a lot of despair and a lot of bare confidence. And it's going to be, uh-oh, are we heading back to 15,000? If that level breaks, and you know, it's if if that level breaks, it's not a sure thing that we're headed to fifteen thousand by any means. But I just know the sentiment that will come to the space. I'm already if that hearing level it. breaks. I'm all, yeah. I'm literally already hearing it just on the dips over the last day that fifteen k is there. Be you know, people drawing big lines on their charts and stuff, saying that that's where price is going. All right, my Monday guest, Dave Weisberger and Mike McGlone have a steak dinner bet. Mike says it hits fifteen, and Dave says it hits forty. So whichever one it hits first, whenever that may be, somebody's buying a steak. I'll end up yeah. buying both. I mean, both, honestly, for honestly. me, it's like it's if if the Nasdaq's a monthly bull flag, then we're going to forty, and if it's if the NASDAQ is going to keep the weekly downtrend going and enter a long-term tightening range, then we're probably heading back down to the teens. And, and really, again, that's, that's the sentiment factor for me. You know, barring any headline in Bitcoin with you know, ETF development or anything like that, I do think it is just a sentiment game. And right now, we're just at such a, a fork in the road for markets in general, where, as you mentioned, the dollar, you know, the dollar's bouncing right now. The bouncing big question now. But, big question is, can we confirm the daily downtrend? Because the last time we had a big drop, the bears failed that daily downtrend and we get the continuation. And so the 10 years doing the same thing, you know, we have to see. What MA is that, by the way, that it's bouncing right off of? Uh, EMA 26, 26, 26 right. period yeah. EMA. Yeah, I was going to say those both bounced there, both those moves. Yeah. Yeah. So have to confirm the daily downtrend, just like, I mean, you know, the S&P 500, Big bounce, have to confirm an uptrend. Uh, so that's really the next thing that I'm looking at into the end of October, really just into next week, uh, is is do we confirm daily uptrends? Because there's a lot of sectors, and you know, we talk about the NASDAQ is strong. NASDAQ and semiconductors are clearly the lead bulls, but you have, you know, uh, small caps, IWM, daily trend change has to confirm here. You've got, you know, the, the financial sector have to confirm a daily uptrend uh, if this move is going to get any follow through. So it's really XLF Financials, XLV Healthcare, IWM Russell 2000, all these names into next week must confirm daily uptrends. And a lot of that's going to be earnings. You know, we got the financial sector starting earnings tomorrow. And then next thing you know, the next couple of weeks, we're in earnings season. And so, uh, again, it's it's that fork in the road where the, the S&P 500 is either going to be a three-month tightening range, most of 2024, or, you know, that monthly cup and handle to new all-time highs. And 
You know, so many fundamental bears hear the word all time highs and say, what are you out of your mind? And I understand that perspective, but if you knew what I knew about charts, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a possibility. As saying it's not possible is a, is an over emotional reaction being tied to your bias. Right. And even because at this point you have enough evidence, even that if you think all the data and news is showing you down that the market hasn't been responding to data and news. So, yeah. I, you know, yeah, it's, it really goes back to the, you know, you, the, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. It's one of the most prescient quotes ever, because this is one of those moments where you can just see it. Yeah. And there are, there are so many things you can point to in either direction, but there's so many reasons bears should be right. Right. And, and honestly, like ever since COVID and even a little bit pre COVID, it's almost like I view this as, as what's been happening the last three years, macroeconomically and fundamentally, is you know one of the biggest advertisements for technical analysis because you know inflation's going up, but gold isn't. The metals aren't doing what they're supposed to, and there's just so many fundamental, con confused fundamental traders the last three years. And uh, it's just like, hey, check out the charts; they can give you some clarity. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you're actually actively trading right now? I'm 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 pretty surprised that we saw that move up on. Uh... CPI, but now I bet we end up with a down day because that first move is usually wrong. So my, yeah, my bet is that uh, we erase all those those gains and end up down today. We're due for daily consolidation for sure. Uh, I'm keeping an eye. If the bulls are able to confirm those daily uptrends that I just talked about, I'm watching these these beat up names like you know AI, which had its run and has been pulling back and doing nothing for a couple months. I grabbed that one on Wednesday or on Monday and exited a good bit into the pop on Tuesday, but just keeping an eye where, you know, names that they are looking, you know, a monthly high or low is the most likely scenario here for me. So just keeping an eye to see if the market does start to get a little bit more risk on and does start to put some pressure on uh, the bears that have been right for a couple of months. Uh, just keeping an eye out on these, you know, PayPal, PayPal has been so beat up. Uh, it's just me watching, you know, if, if there's a sentiment shift, I'm watching for the names that have been really beat up the last couple of months. To just see some, you know, relief rallies. But other than that, it's it's the metals as well. You know, can can the metals confirm a daily uptrend off this bottom? Uh, it's it's really a prove it. You know, bulls had a nice past week on a lot of these things, stocks and and metals. But now it's time to prove it once this temporary top is hit with that trend change. I had uh, Texas West Capital Christopher Inks on yesterday, and he showed me the Dollar General chart. I, I sometimes I don't know if you ever look at Dollar General DG. But sometimes you see something and it just kind of blows your mind. I, I mean, it seems like Dollar General should be doing fine. These downtrends in some of these in this bull market are just astounding to me. Although this, I mean, you're looking at, this is the weekly, you're looking at weekly RSI at 15. It's not something you see. Monthly RSI at 23. I mean, this thing looks wrecked here in support. Yeah. But I could see a big bounce on something like this. He was pointing out that he kind of liked it here for a bounce, but wants to see it a bit higher first. But man, like what the hell? As, as you mentioned, again, there's so many little pockets of the market that have been crushed the last month. And it's almost like it's it's really the the structure of the weighting of these ETFs of SPY and QQQ that, you know, people look at, oh, it's the Magnificent Seven that are holding things up. To a certain degree, it is. I mean, you look at utilities, the utilities had an all out, they've recovered since, but all out dump to, you know, multiple year lows. And right now there's there's these med tech names uh, because of some drug studies, these med tech names are collapsing. There's just these little pockets of of a significant amount of weakness. And so, you know, you look at if, if everything were even weighted, I understand the argument for the bears, but it's also the kind of thing like 
you know, well, if everything were even weighted, we'd be down a lot much. Well, but that's not the way the world works. That's not how the things are structured. So we have to deal with what we have and not, you know, the what ifs. So uh, until we see the major names, you know, as long as Google and Meta are hitting 52 week highs, you can't see the NASDAQ drop in any meaningful way because of the yeah. weight that they have. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you're looking at here? Or we, uh, we're good for the week. Ah, uh, good patient. Again, prove it bulls, you know, prove it with yeah, the daily trend change. I'm, I'm ready for you to prove it. You know, I'm watching for those daily higher lows is the most likely scenario. Uh, but not going to forget that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are in weekly downtrends right now. So whether or not we confirm this uh, daily uptrend or not is going to have a significant impact on the next two weeks. All right, man. Always awesome to have you. Thank you for showing up uh, every Thursday and sharing your sharing your analysis and thoughts. We find it extremely valuable, and I know the audience loves it, man. So everybody, please follow Dan. Obviously, the uh, everything's down in the description, and also you you know check out his channel and check out uh, his group because uh, that's where you get the real alpha. I would imagine. <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thank you very much. All right, guys. That is basically all I have for you today. We will be running it back tomorrow with the Friday Five. Myself and Nathaniel Whittemore, aka NLW, because that's what we do. Heading over to Twitter Spaces, of course, now as usual. Yeah, man. It's going to be a good one, I'm sure. Always a pleasure to join you guys. Sorry we had to talk about Sam Bankman Fried today, but it felt like it was time. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. That's dope.